Hi, and welcome to this latest episode of SEPAD Pod, the Sectarianism Proxies and Desectarianization podcast based at Lancaster University. I'm Simon Mayburn, and today I'm joined by Abdul Hadi Alijla. Abdul Hadi is postdoctoral fellow of the Orient Institute in Beirut. He's also got a very impressive CV and engaging in a lot of activities, including being a research manager, uh, researcher and regional manager at the Varieties of Democracy Institute in Sweden. He's the co-leader of the Human Rights and Global Migration Working Group at the Global Young Academy. He's the co-founder of the Palestine Young Academy. He's a research fellow at the Post-Conflict Research Center in Sarajevo. And uh, amongst all of that, he manages to find time to, to write uh, books, articles, Articles, including the wonderful uh, book that's recently come out entitled Trust in Divided Societies, State Institutions and Governance in Lebanon, Syria and Palestine. So, Abdul Hadi, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you, Simon. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to talking with you today about all of this work and figuring out how you managed to actually do any writing with all these other responsibilities and, uh, and obligations to, to research and, um, and leadership roles. But I also want to talk to you about your book, which is fabulous. I really enjoyed going through that. And I think it's, it's a really, really valuable contribution to some important debates. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for your words as well. And uh, you know that uh, as a Palestinian, um, uh, politics is part of my life. <laughs> sure. Well, tell us a little bit about that then. Um, I normally ask the the start of the, the podcast, what got you interested in? In politics, but obviously, as a Palestinian, you you have this sort of inherent interest in politics. Is that fair to say? Was there a, a particular moment that that gave you an interest in in the intellectual pursuit of of knowledge with regard to politics, rather than just the sort of the political nature of everyday life? Well, um, actually, I was born in Gaza, and um, and 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 then um, three years or four years after I was born, the first Intifada erupted uh, there. So, um, and then I witnessed the return of Yasser Arafat and the PLO. But also, my family uh, were in was engaged in in politics. Direct my brothers, my uh, father. But also my brothers-in-law, who were also wanted by Israel, who were Fidaiyin, right? And, and 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 so the politics was part of my life. But when I grew up there in Gaza Strip, um, um, and and you know the patriarchal society, and then if you are good at the schools and good at uh, grades, you have to go either to medicine or engineering. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and then. I, <laughs> I was admitted to engineering school. I had only two choices. And after I graduated with a minor in Islamic studies uh, from Al-Azhar University in Gaza, um, I, I was still reading about politics, about history, about this fascinating um, um, uh, 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 discipline. Um, and, 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 and having the mindset of an engineer and then reading about politics, things took me a different path when I started to read for Edward Said about Orientalism, about uh, how sure. others see us. And then um, that's the moment when I, um, I I decided that engineering, it's not for me. And then after I graduated from engineering, I made a shift 
to political and social science. Right. So I have I have a number of questions immediately. I mean, the, there's a really large number of guests that we've had on this this podcast who've gone in that exact same same direction as you, starting out as as scholars of engineering, but then shifting into into politics, social sciences. I wonder what is it do you think that that helps you with the study of politics from engineering? What what tools does it give you, do you think? Well, um, I, I think one important thing uh, when, when we change the studies or the shift from um, uh, uh, in being an engineer to social scientist um, to provide us with the different and many new tools. One of them is, for example, and most recently is a quantitative data analysis. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we studied engineering, the statistics, uh, uh, machine learning, and so on, it's become too easy that we can engage um, in, in sophisticated models uh, that, that can be used uh, in social and political science. But also, it can provide us with the new men, uh, mental set that we need to uh, to have a cross-disciplinary, multidisciplinary research um, um, from sociology, psychology, political science, and, and bringing new things like the geographical information systems, uh, a visualization of data, which is an important part. But but having said that, I think I, 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 I should stress one thing, especially when we focus on area studies and, say, for example, Middle East, Latin America, African studies and so on. It's very important to stress that quantitative data and numbers doesn't reveal the whole picture. And that's the importance of um, engaging in mixed methods and having a deep and in-depth studies um, uh, when when, when examining uh, um, questions related to these communities. Sure. I think that's really interesting to hear you reflecting on that. Um, I I must ask, what was the the response like from the family then when you decided to to turn away from from those two main career choices of engineering and medicine to to go into the rather decadent world of social sciences? Well, um, uh, I actually graduated from engineering and I have a certificate uh, of of, uh, software engineering. And, And when I shifted... Um, actually, my family welcomed it, and and they said, um, "Okay, now um, it's your choice. It's if this is what you like, then go for it. Um, um, if you find a future in that career and that uh, uh, way, then that's fine." Actually, they didn't um, amazing uh, uh, oppose it at all. My my father was supportive, and my mother was supportive. But my father was also cautious and uh, always reminded me that if you want to go into politics, be careful <laughs> because you, yeah. are, you, you are talking and studying states. And when you are focusing on the Middle East, you are putting yourself in, 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 in a big fire, which, is, which always reminds me of, of um, um, uh, the, the uh, Alighieri, Dante Alighieri, when he said, Lasciata on speranza che voi entrata. You are going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, <laughs> that's a wonderful way of putting that, that shift. If you move into the study of social sciences and politics, you're going to hell. What a wonderful turn of phrase. <laughs> so, so after that, then, you, you shifted 
on the path to hell and 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 life took you into politics what did you do um in terms of study well i i went to italy to torino university of torino and then i started um uh, with us with a scholarship from the unesco and uh, international uh, labor organization um to study culture studies so okay the first shift was to culture studies which I, I, I really liked, and I, and I was volunteered for many years in Gaza on um, uh, culture programs, uh, heritage programs, and so on. So that's where I, I started. And then I, I got a scholarship from DAADE, that the German Exchange Services, to study um, a master degree um, in, in, at Zeppelin University. It's a private university and was a new university. Um, uh, or that focus on public policy and politics in, in general. Um, and, and that's where I exactly went into politics as a career, um, uh, starting from Zipline University with the support from uh, the ARD. Um, after that, um, I went back, I, 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 um, I um, started to look for PhD programs. Um, Luckily, I got some uh, uh, admissions in the UK, in, in Italy, in Germany, um, uh, but it was late to go to the UK because I didn't have uh, um, a Swedish citizenship at that time. Right. And, and I, I needed to be here. Uh, sure. You know, the difficulties of being Palestinian and then yeah. to go um, to, 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 to study in the UK. Um, but I, I started in Milano uh, at the University of Milan and um, then... I uh, spent um, uh, one year at Gutenberg University, and that's where I started connecting with the Gutenberg University and the VDEM team there, uh, here in Sweden. Uh, so um, you can say it's usually, um, uh, it's sometimes the, 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 on the corners of history, of personal history, you always find a new set of prizes. And, yeah, um, I, I think my faith in, in politics and in careers here in, in, in political science and uh, Middle Eastern studies was um, always attached to uh, some kind of surprise. Yeah, of course, that's that's really interesting. Uh, your 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 PhD is that related to to the book that's recently come out? Um, yes. Actually, it's um, one. It, it's 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 related. It's an extension to my sure. PhD thesis. Right. Um, okay. It, it is. It is not exactly my PhD thesis. It's an extension of my PhD thesis. I only used one chapter from my PhD thesis uh, uh, to be in, in in this book. Okay. Well, let's delve into the book then, if if I may, Abdul Hadi, because I think it's a. Uh, it's a wonderful project, a really interesting project. Um, but I, I'm curious. I would argue that, that most people who finish their, their PhDs go on to publish the thesis relatively as it is, rather than starting pretty much afresh. What prompted you to move in a, in a rather new direction or to extend it in, in such a dramatic way? Um. One one important thing when I I decided to publish it as a book is to look for a new insights, a new comparative uh, case, case to compare different cases. Um, my PhD focused on nine case studies, and I used a qualitative comparative analysis 
as the main chapter, which is the using of qualitative data and then transferring it into uh, uh, quantitative data and then transfer it uh, quantitative data based on uh, from one to zero. And it's not a statistics, it's mixed method. It's a new method, actually, uh, QCA. Um, but, uh, and, and then um, I, I went to the field in Lebanon and I lived in Lebanon, which is, um, I, I think Lebanon made a lot of things in, in my life. I mean, it, living in Beirut for some time um, have affected and influenced me uh, greatly. Um, and it could be that maybe maybe as a divided society for for self old, but also as, um, as 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 a city and society that I have connections with because of the history, the mm. um, the, the the childhood memories of Beirut when when we I used to to listen to radio and so on, and um, so I decided to take Lebanon as a case study um, uh, in in my PhD during my field visit. Um, uh, but after I finished and graduated, I was thinking, okay, then I need to expand this. So here is the case. We have Lebanon, but we also have Turkey, we have Palestine, we have Syria, we have um, uh, uh, Cyprus. We, 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 there are many cases where we have um, divisions, but we have ethnical, ethnic divisions, we have political division in, like, in Palestine, and, and we have ethno-religious divisions. So why it is um, different, uh, and what is the difference between politically divided societies and ethnically divided societies if they have different levels of trust? Mm. Um, and that's where the point is started, to think about, okay, if I take Palestine and Lebanon as two case studies and then compare them, then I need to add a new, um, case study, and I could take Syria because it's an ongoing uh, uh, conflict. How how the how how it looks like an ongoing conflict, and 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 the, to add to this, it's more relevant to the reconciliation process, to the post-conflict process. You know, um, many literature consider Gaza Strip and the West Bank as a post-conflict reconstruction after Oslo, but then also Lebanon after the Taif Agreement, but now we have Syria. So um, I decided to, um, to to have these three case studies and then to add one uh, chapter about the whole Middle Eastern uh, uh, um, uh, region, which um, focus on the corruption in these areas and how corruption affects the level of trust in institutions, but also between the people themselves, um, generalized trust here. Sure. Um, um, so, so, um, so, so the argument here is to find a holistic approach and to provide more than one dimension in this book uh, uh, through different um, methods, mixed methods here, quantitative, qualitative, and also QCA. Gotcha. Okay, that that makes sense then. Before we delve into the the argument a little bit more, I'm I'm curious if you can just elaborate a little bit on this. This relationship between trust and division, it, what, what's the connection in your mind between trust or indeed a, a lack of trust and divided societies? Why, why are they so interlinked and, and engaged in such an important relationship? Um, if we, I, I, I think, if we look around us, I think we will um, see manifestations of, of lack of trust and vice versa. Let's talk about, for example, inequalities and corruption and their 
effect on, on the societies here. This is a division. Inequalities, classes in the society, ethnic divisions are part of this. But but the, the, the major area here and, and the entry point here, I wanted to to go away or escape the culturist uh, 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 interpretations of divisions. Um, the, the, we need to go, as uh, Rima Majid recently wrote uh, an article about, we need to move and shift from the notion of deeply divided societies and then to base all our understandings on the deeply divided societies thing. Um, and here is the connection here. Um, and, I, and my main argument is that division in these societies is more of a groupism. And a groupism usually sprout uh, inequalities, corruption, nepotism, neopatrimonialism. It destroys the judicial system. It provides the political elites the, uh, the, the, the possibilities and the tools to manipulate the population. So, um, and, and this makes people don't trust the system, don't trust the whole system. They will expect that people in general would exploit them. Yeah. And the notion of a trust here, uh, which I focus on, is mostly related to uncertainties and expectations. Because people, as fellow citizens in one society, they expect others to behave in the same way. So if the people uh, um, see others exploiting them, then they would expect that uh, 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 they are, this is a normal thing, and that's why they fear the others. Um, and this is what elites do, what the uh, uh, corruption do, this is what um, uh, um, uh, groupism do, inequalities do, and, and um, not binding to the rule of law. Okay. So this this idea of trust is, or a lack of trust is, isn't inherent within political projects, but is a consequence of, of political development, state formation... Uh, elite interests, corruption, etc. It's it's sort of a an evolving process, is what you're arguing. Exactly, because I mean, it's it's this is exactly what the book is about. Because um, as I said before, um, I, I I moved and I'm I'm again this, um, the cultures interpretations of everything in the uh, uh, in area studies. It's it's it's, bec- it's became sometimes explaining everything from culture point of view. Look, mm-hmm. um, Belgium is a divided society. It's, it's, they, they are divided societies by yeah. definition because they have, uh, uh, Lebanon is a divided society. But why Belgium has high level of trust, but Lebanon now, Iraq, that's, that's, that, that's the thing. Why many scientists um, uh, 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 use Lebanon or Iraq or even... Uh, even other countries in, in, in Asia or Middle East to 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 explain a question in sociology and political science from cultural perspective, while when studying, for example, Belgium, it, it comes from institutional perspective. And this is exactly the the, the entry point, the departure point is we need to talk about institutions rather than culture only. Sure. I, I can't help wondering if, if Said had a bit of an influence on this process, particularly in the early stages of thinking through the the differentiation. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, I think Edward Said's book is, uh, has influenced me very much. Um, but, but at the same time, 
I'm I'm institutionalist in in the way that um, I'm not against Orientalists because you have some good uh, uh, people who work on Orientalism in general in, in the West. They, 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 so it's it's not the Orientalism is not the same as during Edward Said. Now you have more Arabs, um, some Arabs who are more Orientalists than Western Orientalists. So it's, it's hmm. became a vague way. But yeah, I, I think Edward Said had some influence on me to look at the um, um, uh, uh, studies from institutionalist or cultural perspectives and so on. Fantastic. So Talk to us about the data then. What is it that you've been, what have you been using in terms of your data? You talk about a mixed methods approach. So can you just give us some examples and, and perhaps highlight some of the key findings from that data, please? Mm. Uh, well, I, I use um, different uh, uh, data. One of the major um, 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 sources of my data is the Arab barometer. And I use different waves of, of, of the uh, Arab barometer, and um, and this is it's it's values surveys that goes um, uh, conducted uh, every four years, and this data is very important uh, because it gives me every four three years an interval of trust, but also mm. trust in institutions, generalized trust, but also value surveys in general. And then the second um, data for non-MENA uh, countries is the World uh, Value Survey, which provide um, uh, some good uh, data on this. So these data I use um, for statistical analysis. Uh, um, I use logistic regression in some cases, but I use also uh, simultaneous equation modelings and the structure equation modelings. Um, when, 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 when talking about corruption, because we don't know who is coming before um, the trust institutions or generalized trust, which affect the other um, the trust institutions or generalized trust or vice versa. So these kind of things and these kind of questions is debated uh, among the scholars. But what, how um, does, for example, um, 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 how to impl- impl- use this data into an statistical model to get out with a concrete conclusion or outcome. Um, another example is the corruption. We have argument, corruption affect the level of generalized trust. So if we have a high level of corruption in the society, then we will have high level of distrust. Okay, others say, for example, if we have high level of Some some scholars say that um, there is a relationship between corruption and uh, uh, distrust in society. But, okay, some of them argues, and they found some empirical data, that if we have high level of corruption in a society, then we will have high level of distrust. Others, they also found um, empirical findings that if we have high level of distrust, we will have high level of corruption. But in my chapter, for example, on, on, on corruption, I found interesting that they both work as a mechanical machine. They go side, step by step, so they affect each other. Uh, and, and this is exactly what happens in, term, in institutional trust. How much people trust, have trust institutions affect 
the level of generalized trust between people in general. But sure. if we have, for example, and this is a manifestation of corruption, of course, but also I use a quantitative, a qualitative data analysis. And this is in one chapter in order to, um, um, to move from macro perspective to micro perspective and in depth case studies. And a quantitative, um, um, a qualitative comparative analysis, a QCA, as a new method, as a mixed method, um, uh, um, I, I, I um, include nine case studies, and not only from the MENA region. Um, from uh, I included Kyrgyzstan, mm -hmm. Pakistan, South Africa, um, Iraq, Lebanon, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia, and Cyprus, and, and, and Turkey, of course. And based on this, I found that arbitrariness in public administration, inequalities in society, um, are major sources of, of, of and, and of course, distrust in social society, exit and entry of social society organization, have big influence on the level of a trust. Of course, and yeah. And there, exactly where I started to look at um, statistical data and to examine exactly at micro level, uh, if to, to, to ensure that what I found in this big, um, uh, 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 big uh, data analysis uh, uh, and, and this chapter using QCA is right or not, and it exactly manifests and represents the findings of the, the QCA analysis. So, what do you think the biggest impediment to trust building is then? Um, well, I mean, uh, it, it's, okay, inequality, corruption, public administration, arbitrariness, exploitation of power, and distribution of power are the biggest um, uh, impediment to, uh, 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 to building a trust. But we have to know something here, and, and I'm, I'm always stressing it. To build a trust in society, institutional or generalized trust, takes time. Like that's why it at least it could change one point after five years. But to destroy generalized trust, it's very easy. You can do it in two months if mm. you want, as a state, as a state, as an institution, as a government. And, and that's why to build and redesign these institutions in general, and and here I'm talking about formal institutions. There is a need to take this into account, that inequalities in the society is an important factor that can hinder building and maintaining generalized trust. Sure. So, Abdel Hadi, we've, we've spoken for quite a while now, and I'm conscious of, of your time. But if I may ask one final question, and it's, it's a bit of a forward-thinking, speculative question. But if you were to, to advise one policy that could help facilitate trust building in, say, a divided society, maybe in the abstract, society um, theta, let's say, is there, a, is there a policy that you'd put forward that could help address those divisions in that society? Well, um, um, the... The major source of generalized trust in the MENA and divided societies can be found in the state machinery, namely the administrative and legal institutions. But also I would add to 
civil society organization. And one recommendation is when I'm talking about that, is we needed to focus on policies and institutions and reform of these institutions that can provide a space for people to feel safe and secured in this institution and to feel that they are treated equally. And this means, and this um, uh, means that these institutions and, um, and donors need to focus on um, the judicial system and mm -hmm. the reform of judicial system and the reform of, of institutions uh, uh, that provide services for people. Uh, and, and, and this is very important, services for people uh, so people feel that they are treated equally and 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 uh, um, and and feel safe and secured and not exploited by the institutions um, and and by political elites. Amazing! Thank you so much. I, I've I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think the book is wonderful. We didn't even really talk about your other work, which is equally fascinating. Uh, so hopefully we can get you back on again in the not too distant future to pick up on some of those themes as well. But. A huge thank you, Abdul Hadi. It's been a real pleasure having you on and talking with you today about your fascinating book. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you. It was my pleasure as well. Thank you. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>